It died. Okay. We have we have a dead microphone. We have a dead microphone. Back in three days. Okay, so <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. That's right. So happy Easter, everybody. I'm so glad that you're here. And, um, my name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor. If you're visiting with us today, I am so glad that you're here uh, visiting with us. Um, and so today is Easter, and we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And, uh, and so we've been singing songs about it, and there's been skits and all this other stuff. And, and we decided we were going to start this brand new sermon series called Bridges. And, uh, and so we, we commissioned our creative team to come up with Bridges stuff. And haven't they done a great job? Like, it's just amazing. Yeah, they, all through the lobby, you see all kinds of great decorations. And then, and then I said, hey, can you build me a bridge on stage? And I was expecting this little ghetto thing up. But this thing is awesome. This is awesome, isn't it? So I'm telling you what, we have so much talent in our church. It's really just unbelievable. So it's fun to see all the creative people putting together all their talent and, and coming together with all these uh, amazing, amazing things. Wow, that's great. So, so we're talking about bridges, and so we will be talking about this series, and we're connecting bridges between people. Bridges are relationships between people. And so we're going to talk about forgiveness. What happens if the other person burns the bridge? How do you rebuild it? What about that bridge you burn that you don't want to rebuild, but you think you might need to? I don't know. But we have these bridges that we have between people. But today, I'm going to talk to you about the most important bridge of all. And I want to talk to you about the bridge between you and God. Because in my opinion, of course, I'm a little biased as a pastor. I think your relationship with God is the most important relationship that you should have. And so we're going to talk about that bridge this morning and what that's going to look like in your life. You know, bridges are everywhere, aren't they? We see them all over the place. In fact, our city is divided with a river down the middle. And there's the Rio Grande River, and as you're on the east side or the west side, there are a handful of bridges that get you across the river. Now, getting across the river at certain times of day can be a, a challenge, can it? We want more bridges, don't we? We're like, yeah, I want more bridges across the river to ease the traffic flow from one side to the other. As I hear about the east side versus the west side. No? Okay. <laughs> east side. All right, so there's like iconic bridges that are out there as well. Our bridges are kind of boring. They're concrete. They're just kind of boring. Mostly it seems like a canvas for street artists and their spray cans. It seems like we have these bridges all around. Well, I, I, there's iconic bridges all through our country. In fact, if you look, you can see the Brooklyn Bridge. Have you guys ever seen the Brooklyn Bridge? You see photos of it all the time. And so it's a beautiful, beautiful feat of engineering. It is half art and half function when it comes to the Brooklyn Bridge. But there's another bridge that's famous too, and that's the Golden Gate Bridge. You guys have seen that one too, right? It, it goes over the Bay Area in California, and, and it spans over. And my California people, I hear a little shout back. That's right. That's right. What's up in Kelly? Yeah, so we, we got this bridge that goes across the Bay Area, and it's iconic. This thing is really an engineering feet. It's really unbelievable to look at. I was doing some research on this bridge in particular. They used so much concrete in that bridge when they were constructing it. You could have taken that same concrete and constructed a sidewalk five feet wide from New York City to Los Angeles. That's a long sidewalk. That's a lot of concrete. In fact, it's a suspension bridge and they have these cables that are uh, strung all through it to give it the support that it needs. There's over 80,000 miles of cable being strung up for that bridge to be able to do what it's doing. That's an impressive amount of cable, isn't it? 
So now it's over this bridge is going over this bay area and the weather that comes in through the bay, there's all the fog. You see the foggy pictures of the Golden Gate and it looks awesome, but they have to build it in a way to withstand the winds and, and everything else that's going through there. They have winds up to 100 miles an hour at certain points of the year. And so they have to be able to withstand that. So because of that, they built the bridge with a sway in it. So it's hanging by cables and it can actually sway from side to side. You know the sway on that bridge is able to go to 27 feet? Like, right? Like you're on that thing stuck in traffic. And you do a car sick. I got car sick as a kid. I'd be barfing all over that thing if I was on that. 27 feet, that is impressive, isn't it? Listen, as impressive as that bridge is or the Brooklyn Bridge, it is not the most impressive bridge that is around. In fact, it's far from it. The bridge that God built from his side to our side, from God's side to humanity's side, is the most impressive bridge that has ever been built. It costs more and it does more. It has saved more people. More people have traveled on that bridge than the Golden Gate Bridge. And so I want to tell you this morning about that bridge. In fact, when you look at, at bridges, every bridge is designed to span a chasm. There is people on one side wanting to hang out with people on the other side. And so I don't know what the first bridge looked like, but I'm going to guess that there was a creek running through the woods and somebody knocked a tree over and they climbed and said, oh, look, I'm tired of getting my feet wet. I'm going to walk on this stick instead. And so they do that. And so there's a first bridge and they're excited about that. But then as life moves forward, they keep building bigger bridges and bigger bridges. And, and eventually they're building from one cliff to another cliff. People got tired of walking down one side of the ravine over and hiking back up again. And they thought, man, this is a shortcut to build this bridge from point A to point B. Every bridge is designed to span a chasm, to withstand the pressure, and it's constructed to endure force. You see, bridges give us passage to an otherwise unreachable area. That's what they do. And so we have all these bridges around, but there's also bridge sayings that you've heard, right? Like London bridges are falling down. I don't even know what that means. It's a children's song, and I don't know, but I hear it every once in a while. Don't burn that bridge. You've heard that one, right? Or how about the one where, why don't you just build a bridge and get over it, right? <laughs> Sounds judgy to me, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't want to build a bridge and get over it. I want to be angry. How about my favorite one is this, is I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. And so we, we have this idea in our head that, that it, when one day I'm going to come to this decision that I'm going to have to make. And so you think about it, the, you're working at the company, they're doing layoffs, and your friend says, well, what if you get laid off? I don't know, I, I guess I'll just cross that bridge when I come to it. You've been dating this guy for a year. What if he doesn't propose? I don't know, I guess I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. You bought tickets for the game, but the storm's rolling in. What if it gets rained out? I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. We have these bridges in life and these circumstances, and we put off the decisions that we have to make tomorrow because we have our own decisions to make today. I mean, it totally makes sense, right? Why worry about tomorrow? you got enough to worry about today. So what do bridges have to do with Easter, though? I know you're thinking that. But this is what the deal is. You see, oftentimes in Christian circles, people will call Jesus a bridge. They will call the cross of Christ a bridge that people can walk on. And let me explain this, this whole idea. You see, there's a separation between man and God. And there's a chasm in between these two. And so Jesus is the cross that bridges this gap. So what is Easter all about? 
You see, on Good Friday, Jesus died on the cross. Oh, man, he died? That doesn't sound good. They named it Good Friday later. They didn't name it Good Friday on that Friday. They had to process, you know what I'm saying? And so, but later on, they they understood what happened just a few days later, that when Jesus died, he paid the price that we might be back in relationship with him. So although the price was great, the work was good. And so they call it Good Friday. And a couple days later, Jesus rose from the grave. It's a huge deal. It's not just for Christians, but for all humanity. It's a big deal. It really is. You know, when you look at the history of mankind, there's this process that you can see happening. And, and I think that you might be in the room today and you might actually relate to this process. Mankind looked around the room, looked around the world, looked around his environment and said, huh, I think that there's more to this life than I can see. I can feel it in my guts that there must be a higher power out there somewhere. And they have this almost gnawing inside, this this internal feeling of of there's got to be something that's greater out there. And in fact, I would say that if there's this thing that's greater out there, it's got to be better than me. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we're not that great. Like there's darkness in there, isn't it? Like sometimes we just don't tell the whole truth. Sometimes we cheat or we steal or, or our, our pride gets in the way or ego gets in the way. Like there's things that come up in life and we recognize in moments that I as a human being am not that great. And I don't know about you, but if there's something out there that's bigger, if there's some sort of higher being out there, I'm not worshiping anything that's the same as me. It's got to be something that is righteous. It's got to be something that is holy. Because I'm not worshiping a peer. I'm worshiping something that is higher than me. And so when man looked inside, he acknowledged the darkness. You see, human beings knew that there was something out there. And it was a higher power. Humans had that gnawing sensation that God was out there. And human beings were separate from him. We crave a connection with God. We feel it in our soul. We crave this connection And I'm going to tell you why. Because when God created man, he created us to be in relationship with him. You were created to have that connection. There's a need in your soul that you understand, I need this connection, and you're trying to figure it out. There's a problem, you see. There's a divide. Man is on this side. And God is on this side. And there's a divide between point A and point B. So we came up with this idea that maybe we could build a bridge to go from our side to God's side. Maybe we could build something to get us from point A to point B. I mean, we have all the concrete and the steel cables that we could possibly imagine right? Let's build a bridge. Let's do this. And so what we've decided is this, is mankind decided that, that if I can be good enough, if I can have a moral enough life, if I can do the right things, abstain from doing the wrong things, then I can start to build this bridge that gets me closer to God. Here's the challenge. Your bridge will never get to the other side because it doesn't matter how moral you are, 
It doesn't matter how good your works are. There are plenty of bad works in your mix that you are not perfect. And why would a holy God be with an unholy people? And there was the divide that was created. We created world religions. In fact, every world religion out there is based on this idea that if I do the right things and if I don't do the wrong things, then maybe I can get this bridge out and I can start to creep through it. And maybe if I get far enough over here, I know I can't get all the way because I'm not perfect, but maybe I can get far enough out and I can do the right things and just maybe out of God's, like, you know, generosity, as I'm falling off of my bridge halfway across, he's going to reach out and grab me by the hand and save me. But there's not an assurance in any of them. In fact, if you look at even Christianity, there are people that have turned Christianity into that whole concept. If, if I can do these right things and not do these wrong things, then I can be a better person and God will like me more. But the problem is that is not biblical Christianity. Only biblical Christianity says the opposite. You see, everybody else says we're going to build the bridge from this way to this way. But the biblical Christianity says this. God said, I'm building the bridge from my side back to humanity. That's the difference. That's the difference of what we're doing. That's why Easter is so mom such a momentous, monumental, crazy time for us. Is we celebrate the bridge that was built by Jesus Christ himself. And church, that's good news, isn't it? That's good news. That means that, that I don't have to continue to try to construct these things. I don't have to be an engineering marvel. I don't have to try to understand the, 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 the thing and how, this, and how this whole thing works. You see, Jesus is the bridge. And we'd like to say this, that the cross is the bridge, and I have a bridge to cross. The cross is the bridge, and I have a bridge to cross. See, as, as Christians and and many of us in the room are Christians. But as Christians, we believe that the Bible is God's word written to us. Through multiple authors, it's inspired, and, and we believe it is God's word written to us. So the person that created us wrote us a book. It's pretty convenient. I think I like that. So if you think about it, there's other things in your life that the creator wrote a book about the created, to the created. In your car, when you bought a brand new car, uh, you had an owner's manual in the glove box. The creator of that car wrote a book on how to operate that car and get the most out of it. It explained what every button does, every light does. It explains how everything interoperates. In fact, how often are you supposed to change the, the oil on your car? Not every car is the same. You've got to look at the owner's manual and make sure you're doing it the way that the one who created it said you're supposed to do. You know, the tires, you've got to keep them inflated to a certain thing. In fact, you've got to keep the right kind of tires on that vehicle. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're going to have problems. I saw a pickup truck this week, actually, in my neighborhood. And it was a big F-Man 50 diesel truck. It had a big old lift kit on it. And, and it, was, it was huge. And it had low-profile racing tires on it. I bet that guy got slapped everywhere he went. It was just, it was cr almost criminal. It really defeated the purpose of, the, of the purpose of that truck. And imagine the opposite. If you took your BMW sports car and put big old knobby truck tires on that thing, that'd be terrible. Your handling would be atrocious. 
But you start to think about it, the, the, the transmission is engineered to turn a certain size of wheel and tire. The, the bearings that the things spin on are, are designed for a certain fr friction and angles, and, and your, your brakes are designed to stop that certain kind of thing. When you start to modify things beyond what the manufacturer suggests, you start to have problems in life. The Word of God is the same thing for us. It gives us a path towards having a solid relationship with God. It gives us an idea of what it takes to, and what, what it means, how God loves us and how He cares for us. The Bible says a couple of things, and one of them, it says more than a couple of things, but one of the things that the Bible says is that we have fallen short of the standard that God has set for us. We have missed the mark. And they use the S word, which is sin. Not the other S word. That other S word is a sin. But yeah, so, you know, so we, the S word sin, right? And sin is really an archery word. And so you think about it, and in an archery uh, environment, you pull back on the bow and arrow and you launch that arrow. If you miss the mark that you're aiming for, they call that sin. You and I have missed the mark. And you know it. We have all said things. We said, I will never do this again. And you found yourself doing it. I'm always going to do it this way, but you find yourself not doing it. We find ourselves in these environments where we know that we're missing the mark. And you want to think, well, maybe I'm still going to be good enough. And maybe if God you know, judges on a curve or, or something, maybe no, I'm not ISIS. I, I didn't join ISIS or Al-Qaeda. I'm not bombing anybody. It's not like I'm Hitler or Stalin, right? I mean, I'm in, what, the top 15% of people. Does God grade on a curve? Unfortunately, no. It's kind of a black and white thing. You either have sinned or you have not. I'm a pastor of a church. I, I know that I personally have sinned. And I'm not saying I'm any better than any of you, but I would willing to bet that some of you have sinned as well. The Bible says that all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short. All of us. So your sin, your missing of the mark, is what has separated you from God. So God is holy and you are not. And there is an eternal chasm between. As a pastor, I find myself in unique conversations with people. When people find out what I do for a living, uh, there's a few things that happen pretty quickly. First of all, they apologize for the, converse, the language they were using earlier in the conversation. <laughs> to which my reply most of the time is, what are those words? What does that mean? How do you, how'd you say that? I'm just giving them a hard time a little bit. <laughs> but in there, I always ask them, so on a scale of 1 to 10, how sure are you that you're going to go to heaven when you die? And most people, they, they try to be you know, honest, I think, but they give themselves a 7 or 7.5 or an 8. I have yet to get anybody to give me a 1. And every once in a while I get a 10. So when I ask them, hypothetically, let's say when you die, you stand before the white pearly gates like in the movies, and St. Peter is standing there, and he says, why, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? Almost every time, without fail, they compare themselves to other people and say, well, I'm not as bad as this person. I'm not the best, but I'm far from the worst. I'm a seven, maybe an eight. 
Hmm. It's like we're hoping our works are judged on some sort of curve and we're high enough of a percentile that you make it in. So this morning, I want to show how the Bible talks about the bridge, of how Jesus built the bridge on Easter so that we can have new life in him. I'm telling you, church, this is good news. If you're visiting with us, maybe you've never heard this before. But if you're a believer, I want this to be an encouragement to you. That, that listen, there is good news that we carry around with us every day. And if you're far from God, I want you to understand that God is not after you to punish you. He is after you to love you and to rescue you. And there's a difference. In our minds, we think he's out to punish us. But he's not. So point number one is this, recognize God's plan. God's plan is peace and life. See, the message of the Bible stresses that God loves you and wants you to experience his peace and life. Sometimes it feels like God is chasing you. Especially if you've done something wrong, does it feel like God is chasing you from time to time? I've had that experience. It reminds me of a story. Back in 1981, a car thief stole a Volkswagen Bug. I don't know why. But whatever reason, he stole the VW bug. And so he steals the car, he boosts it, he's hauling off down the freeway, and uh, quickly they, the police jump into action to try to catch him. But they go to extraordinary levels, like extraordinary methods to be able to try to catch this guy. Really unusual. They, they broadcast on all the radio stations. They, they communicated every channel they could. We gotta find this guy, we gotta find this guy, we gotta find this guy. Here's why. The owner of the bug had just gotten home, and on the front seat was a box of crackers. And in those crackers, he had rat poison all over those crackers because he was going to throw them in his barn to kill the rat infestation that he had in his barn. The guy stole the car, and sitting next to him is a box that's ready to kill him. I don't know about car thieves, but they probably get hungry too. And they're terrified that, that he's going to eat one of these crackers and it's going to kill him. The police were not chasing him down necessarily to punish him for the crime of stealing the car. They were chasing him down to save his life from the poison that was sitting next to him. Sometimes we think that God is chasing us down to punish us from, from, the poise, from what we've done. But God's really saying, no, 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 no. I'm chasing you down because I want to offer you peace and life. I have, God wants to save you, not punish you. He wants to love you, not punish you. That's the message of the gospel. That's why this bridge is so important. And if you're a believer this morning, you can celebrate that God pursues you for those reasons, not for any other reason. And if you're not a believer this morning, I want you to understand this before you leave today, that God loves you and cares for you and, and wants to be back in relationship with you. In fact, in the scripture, in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. And possibly the most famous scripture verse of all time is John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, God has a plan for rescue, and it's to bring you peace and to bring you life. Number two is this, is we got to realize our problem. We've got to realize our problem. That we have a separation from God. That we have a separation from God. See, people choose to disobey God and go their own way. And the result is a separation. In Proverbs 14, it says there seems to be, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it only leads to destruction and death. 
Sometimes we get stuck in our own thoughts of what we think is right and what we think is wrong. But ultimately, we have to look to God's word and say, no, no, no. What does he say is right and he say is wrong? We've all sinned. And in Romans 3.23, it says that since all have sinned and continue to fall short of God's glory. And later on in Romans chapter 6, it says the result of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So number three is this, is, is that we must respond to God's remedy. The amazing thing is that God provided a solution to our problem. He's provided a solution to our problem, which is the cross of Christ. So God sent his son to bridge the gap. Christ did this by paying the penalty of our sins when he died on the cross and he rose from the grave. You might be here today hearing this message, and I want you to know the choice is yours. Will you accept God's remedy? You know, the devil was hanging out in hell, and uh, he had a bunch of his demons around him, and, and he's like, how are we going to thwart this plan that God has? How are we going to thwart the gospel? And one, one devil says, uh, oh, I got an idea. I got an idea, boss. What if, what if we told everybody there is no God? And everybody kind of thought about it, and they said, you know, that might work. I don't know. A few people might believe that, but but I don't know. I'm not sure if that... Most people understand that there's something higher out there. So I don't know if that's really going to do it. And then another guy said, what if we just told them there's no hell? Like there's no... no and they said, no, that might work for somebody. But, but really, no, people understand that there's consequences for sin. And when somebody does something bad, there should be a consequence for it. So I don't know if think that's going to work. And they were almost ready to give up. And, and somebody else chimed in and said, what if, what if we told them that God is real? that heaven is real, that devil is real, that hell is real, and that there's punishment? What if we told them everything that was true about the gospel and said, yeah, all that stuff is true, but we just told them, you don't have to make that decision today. You can cross that bridge when you come to it later. And the whole thing just erupted, and they're like, yeah, that's the plan we're going to go for. That's the plan we're going to go for. <laughs> they knew that if a person procrastinated on Christ, they usually never accepted him. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, For Christ died once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And in John 10, it says, Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And in Romans chapter 5, it says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you were still a sinner, which means this, you have not gone too far for God. You have not done too much wrong for him to be able to reach you where you're at. He knew what you would get into, and he knew that he needed to build a bridge that was big enough and strong enough to carry you all the way back to him. Listen, it's good news of what happened on Easter, because a bridge was built, a big, strong bridge that could carry you from no matter how far you think you've gone. You have not gone too far. And number four is this, and if the band would come, we're going to wrap up now. For is this, receive God's Son, Lord and Savior. Receive God's Son. So you cross the bridge into God's family when you ask Christ to be the Lord of your life. You see, what Jesus did on the cross was he died and built the bridge. So the bridge is here. It's done. The work on the cross is finished. I mean, that's what we're celebrating, is that the work on the cross was finished. What Jesus did for all of humanity is done. It is done. The bridge is built. The only thing that's left is for you to choose to walk across it. 
That's the only thing that's left. Can you choose to walk across it? Back in 1830, George Wilson was convicted of stealing the mail, U.S. mail. He robbed some mail, and he was sentenced to death. Sentenced to death. Times have changed, huh? There's no death penalty for mail robbing. So the president issues him a pardon and says, Hey, we're gonna, I'm going to give you a pardon so you can be spared from the death penalty. So George Wilson says, you know what? I don't accept it. I don't accept the pardon. And of course, the president, he is, he's like, well, wait a minute. I already wrote this thing. Like it. And so they went into the court system, and they tried to figure out what it was. How, how, how does this work? Does he just automatically get pardoned? And the judge ruled this, that, that the pardon is just a slip of paper unless it's accepted by the one who has been pardoned. If he denies the pardon, then he must face his punishment. You have been pardoned. Jesus built the bridge. Will you accept the pardon that God has given you? Huh. For some, the pardon comes too late. But for others, the pardon is just not accepted. So for those of you who are followers of Christ, I've got good news for you because Jesus died on this cross so that we might have new life. And it's a time that we celebrate this thing. But for those of you here this morning that maybe are not a follower of Christ, the moment of truth has come and it has come now. I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. Well, we have the bridge. <laughs> it's been here for a long time. So today, I want to challenge you. Today, will you cross that bridge? Will you choose to accept what Christ has done? Will you choose to accept all that he has done for you? God has issued the pardon. Will you accept it? You know, we do this in our church services from time to time. And, and here's the reason why is that even Jesus said in Matthew 10, says, therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I, also, I will also confess him before my father who is in heaven. So we do this thing where we say, you know what? I'm making a decision today. And I don't want you to walk out of this door if you have not just made a decision to follow Christ. Today can be your day. Today can be your day. The work is done. Will you just accept the pardon that he's given you? I believe that there are people here this morning that are far from God. Maybe you walked off the street. Maybe your neighbor drug you here. Maybe your family and you're just like, just fine, I'll go. But the bridge is here. And today is the decision to make it, to cross it. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you wouldn't mind, I just want you to think about this. On a scale of 1 to 10, how sure are you that you're going to heaven? Because if it's anything less than a 10, I want to challenge you that, that you're looking at it from a works perspective. And God says, I don't care about your works. I just care about the relationship. Will you just accept me? Will you just say yes to the work I've already done? The work has already been done. You don't need to earn it. And if you need to make that decision today, I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you made that decision as a kid and you walked away from it. 
Maybe you've wrestled with it off and on and you never really got it completely cemented in your heart. But today can be your day. Today can be the day where you say, you know what? Today I choose to accept the pardon. I choose to believe that what Christ did on the cross, what he did on the cross matters. And I don't need to build my bridge anymore. I can just walk across on his. Well, today's that day. And if you're in that position, nobody's really looking around. If you say today, hey, you know what? I want to make that decision and follow Christ. Will you just look at me and put your hand in the air? I want to give you a resource. I want to pray with you. I want to help you make that decision and make the journey that needs to go. You're not too far gone. The bridge doesn't stop short. The work on the cross is enough for everyone, including you. Amen. Well, church, if you're a believer this morning, I want you to pray after me. And if you made a decision to follow Christ, I want you to say this with us as well. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I want to turn from my sins. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And that you raised him to life. I want him to come into my heart and take control of my life. I want to trust Jesus as my Savior and follow him as my Lord from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church. Will you stand to your feet? Let's sing one last song before we leave. Let's celebrate what Jesus did on the cross. Let's celebrate the bridge. And for those that chose to make a stop across it today, in Jesus' name.
Now bowing to the truth 